Hey there, folks. This is the second and final installment because we're putting this thing to rest. We're putting this thing to bed. There are very strong feelings about it, but this warrants very strong feelings. We have to talk about the final installment of Florida State, first ever undefeated Power Five, left out of the college football playoff. I have none other than friend of the pod, the main man, former Locked On Nose host, current Nose Anonymous host, uh, introduced to some and present to others, Andres Drizzy Drake Silva. How you doing, brother? Ken, it's good to be back. I wish it was a, under uh, better circumstances, but you know I'm always a fan. Come back to Locked On. I love Locked On. Love y'all. Love you. Love Candace. And it's just good to be back. But, you know, like I like you started off, under better circumstances, would be actually be a lot better. But you hey, know, we're back. They say weddings and funerals bring the family together. Well, apparently there was a death at the CFP because we are going to get into exactly what happened and how on today's episode of Locked On ACC. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, so first, let me ask you this, okay? I, I had Brian Smith on of Locked On Nose yesterday and kind of had the conversation with him, and it went in an unexpected direction, okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm ready now because it, it, he caught me by surprise. I was a little bit blindsided by the fact that he was like, I understand the committee. But I'm going to ask you, do you think that Florida State was done an injustice, done wrong, or do you understand where the committee was coming from? How do you feel about the the – the final CFP top four. Well, first off, I'm not going to call it a CFP. I'm going to call it a CF Invitational because basically they, the book was already written who they wanted to send in. No. Mm-hmm. Um, respectfully, I'm going to disagree with Brian. Brian does a great job of locking up semos, folks. Just tune in as much as you can over there if you're a Florida State fan or a fan of recruiting football in general. But what we saw that Sunday was yeah. one of the most disgraceful and shameful things for any team sport, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, the fact of the matter is this committee or this, you know, hateful 13, this despicable 13, the cartel that, you know, picked these um, Alabama, Texas to go ahead of Florida State, told 84 kids that regardless of all your efforts for 364 days of the year for this one moment on Selection Sunday, don't mean a damn thing even though you – were the best in your conference. You were undefeated at every step of the way. You went on the road twice and took an SEC opponents, one of them being a top 15 team by this very same committee. And to me, it was, I think Booger said it perfectly, a travesty of you know yeah. epic proportions. And, you know, I, I want to talk about another thing that Booger said that I, I think most of the committee doesn't understand. Defense still wins championships. I, I don't understand how, you know, you get penalized for uh, holding a top 20 offense out of the end zone. I don't understand it. I don't understand. In the neutral site game, that was actually closer to Louisville than Florida State. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot closer to Louisville than Florida State. I, I just don't understand it. Since Jordan Travis went down against North, North Alabama, the Florida State defense was on the field for 38 possessions. Mm-hmm. Kenton, how many touchdowns do you think they scored? I think they gave up, uh, what, 
one. They gave up one. And that one touchdown was only the byproduct of a unnecessary roughness call that was so egregious that three days later, the NCAA used that same play and video of what not to call unnecessary roughness. Basically, this committee, listen, they don't care about defense. I think that's one, you know, one way better way to put it. But then you give the excuse of, you know, oh, the quarterback play is not going to be, you know, what, what's up to snuff. You look at Michigan, and I think this is a really good co- comparison for that because Michigan's defense is also all world elite. You look absolutely. at J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy has not thrown pro more than 150 passing yards since November 4th. You Uh-oh. can't tell me Uh-oh. that a Tate Rodemaker with a month of game planning Uh-oh. could or could replicate that. I'm sorry, and, you can't. And that, and that was my exact point. That was my exact point in, in feeling like this. And the, the other thing is, many people's last impression of that team is with Brock Glenn at quarterback. And it's like, that's not fair to Florida State because – with all due respect to Brock Glenn, he was slow dancing at prom a few months ago. He was like, what are we doing here? This is not a young man who we expected to show up polished and ready and all that good stuff. This is a third-string quarterback. And not only that, Tate Rodemaker's in concussion protocol. He doesn't have a torn ACL, busted up spine, uh, hit dislocation. It's nothing that would hold you out. For like, oh, yeah, that that's a month-long injury. Like, he tore his Achilles. He's not going to be back until next year. He was in concussion protocol. And anybody who knows anything about concussion protocol, generally you want to avoid sounds and light and all those things. Mm-hmm. He was dressed out in pregame. He just didn't play any actual game. And to me, the fact that he even showed up in person tells me he's far enough along to where a month from now he would have had at least two to three weeks of game planning, two to three weeks of getting down the the rhythm with Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson and Jaheim Bell and and Tofili and Benson and company to where he could efficiently run that offense. And not only that, I want to also commend Brocklin too because Brocklin actually did suffer an injury, I want to say, to his throwing hand or whether it be his wrist or his arm that precluded him from practice for a few months, and then he still came back. And then I want everyone that's watching this show right now to look at the top 15 teams. Give me an example of a top 15 team right now that you're comfortable with sending out your third-string quarterback and them doing what they did this past Saturday night. Because I can tell you right now, Alabama did that same damn thing against USF in Week 3 when they benched Jalen Milrow, Taylor Buckner, had 34 yards passing. Ty Simpson at 78. And they struggled and were tied with South, South Southern Florida 3-3 three to three at halftime. So to me, this Brock Glenn, is, it's an excuse. It's at this point right now, it's an excuse to just, you know, shuffle in, you know, for TV ratings, for all that. We know what really happened here. Yeah, I, think, I think Candace was, you know, looking at the call coming from inside the house. That's kind of how I feel like too. But you can't tell me that this team did everything that, you know, you asked for to do overcome the odds, rise to the occasion, grind and grit your way to every single win. And this is how you pay them? That's despicable. Yeah, yeah. And, and my biggest thing is every argument that's made against this Florida State team, it falls flat on its face when you meet it with a little bit of logic. It's narrative-driven and it falls flat on its face. With the fact that Stephen A. Smith is saying TCU is the reason they didn't get in because they got destroyed in the championship game. And I said, now wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Last time I checked, TCU got destroyed in the championship game, but the playoff doesn't start the championship game, does it, Jerry? No, it does not, actually. Um... So, so 
They had to win a football game to then get the destroying. And if 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 the committee believed, well, we would have rather had Michigan play them. Maybe Michigan should have won the game. Novel idea. Yeah, I win mean, the football Michigan, game. Michigan's the number one team now, and the last time they lost was to the TCU team, and they gave up fifty plus. And also, Michigan is the same school that is under investigation for cheating. So to me, you leave out a Florida State team, an undefeated Power Five, but it's like it's wrong to lose a player, but it's not wrong to be sign stealing. It's not wrong to lose by ten points at home. It's not wrong to lose to an Oklahoma team, who, by the way, if we're going back to last season, Florida State's on a nineteen game win streak right now. Mm-hmm. That continued from last year when they beat the same Oklahoma team in the bowl game. So the math is the math for me. Again, and and I want to have a bigger conversation about how and when can we ever judge these conferences appropriately. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. ACC Network, give me a call. Y'all need me because the SEC Network has Paul Feinbaum as their propagandist. He shows up and he's going to spew what he needs to spew, regardless of how true it is. Oh, well, you know, Florida State barely beat a Florida team. Completely forgetting that there was a Bama team that allowed Auburn to only throw the ball 15 times before the Hail Mary. Auburn threw the ball 15 times and was in position to win that football game. I'll tell you what, and I mean this with all my heart and soul, I have no doubt in my mind that Michigan beats that Bama team because Bama does not have it up the middle of that defense where you need to be strong. They don't have it. They object. I, I have seen this team time and time again get Bully that Auburn stayed in that game by saying, y'all name is Alabama. Our name is Auburn. That's two A's. Looks like y'all got two mighty fine A gaps for us to run through. <laughs> Let's try it. And for those of you who don't know, A gaps are the gaps on the uh, sides of the center's hips. That's the gap started A and go out to about E, depending on how many guys you have over there. And they go, you know, further and further up. So I, I struggle to, to understand this beyond that, hey, you're right, it is an invitational, and it seems to be the SEC invitational because somebody from the SEC has to make it. It can't be, you know what, we don't deserve it this year. We we don't deserve it, and we'll, we'll sit out. Instead, we got to hear Kirby Smart every year say, nobody wants to play us, regardless of how many games they've actually won or lost that year. Regardless, nobody wants to play any of these teams. Who no. wants to see Jared Verse lined up from them? Uh, 50 times a game. Who wants to see Braden Fisk lined up for them 50 times a game? Who wants to see Kalen Deloach, Benson, Tofield? Who wants to see a, a receiver duo that averages six five and a half in height? Who, what, what defensive back coach is saying, give me those two. I know exactly how to stop them. A damn fool, Ken. A damn, that's a fool's errand right there. Cause like, come on, like, I mean, Braden Fisk, you know, for example, like kudos to him, that Louisville game, he, I thought he was standing outside on that field. It was ridiculous. But it's, to me, you look at it overall with the Invitational, and it's, they keep saying it's the best team is the best team. And quite clearly, from this last rankings, it's not. And I say that primarily because they keep harping on the Jordan Travis injury, you know, as being the main, you know, sort of factor, right? Yeah. To me, if that was truly the case, we would not have been ranked fifth after the North Alabama game. In my personal opinion, probably if you think that was really your your clear reason, you would have been sixth or seventh behind Ohio State, behind an Oregon. And yeah. then now, this very same team, Alabama, that beat Georgia, the number one best team is in, but by your same logic, you're still going to have Florida State at number five and then Georgia as number six. So you're clearly saying that 
a Brooklyn or a Tate Rodmaker, you know, Florida State led team is better than Georgia team, your your logic with all this is not making any damn sense. And then you have the hypotheticals of Paul Feinbaum today saying like, oh, maybe, you know, AC commissioners, you weren't happy with everything else. And to me, it just shows that truly, truly, their main reason was this all, you know, jump, done for revenue, done from projections, which they're not supposed to bring into that. And then also you have coming out today that uh, ESPN was set to lose $150 million if, you know, didn't have an SEC team in the playoffs, which, bottom line, Loki, that would hurt. That would hurt. You know, we're going to get into all that because I, I wanted to go in a different direction to talk to Cousins and all that, but we have to talk about that because that is something that is very near and dear to my heart. And and so we're we're going to get into it. But before we do, folks, I've got to pay some bills here and I've got to talk to you all about the Jace case. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we talk for just a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. Folks, that is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if your mother, sister, brother, even yourself was to get sick while the supply chain issue kept them from a life-saving medication that they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among other things. This stuff can happen to any of us now. None of us are immune. You know, I know he said to break this, that Braden Fisk looked like Thanos, but he ain't. He's just a man, just like you are. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get $20 off of your order. Now, Drake, I want to I talk to you about that, what you, what you said there, because you said something. You, you said a word that was very important. The ESPN, ESPN was set to lose $150 million, according to projections, if the SEC was not in. And a lot of people get mad at me when I say players getting paid is the natural progression of this because this is no longer amateurism. Uh Amateurism is me, you, and all the locked-on hosts getting together, playing the football game at whatever field, and, you know, of course, me putting, like, 12 sacks up because none of you could block me. But amateurism is that game happening and nobody watching. Or maybe some people do show up and watch, but all of us walk away from it in financially the exact same condition. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I know it'd be some backs, some knees, because I don't take it easy on folks. I don't care if Locked or whoever, you know, the host of Locked LSU is a very dainty looking woman. If she's back there, a quarterback, baby, we still raking at the R. We still raking at the R. I don't know what you want from me. Okay? Get the ball out by any means. But With that being said, that's amateurism. What we're looking at when we're talking about 150 million, nine figures that is set to lose by not having a conference in, that's – who cares, man? Get the money out the game and just play the game. Let Mm -hmm. who won on the field decide it. I don't care if you lose 150 million. I don't care if you lose a billion. What's that got to do with us? What's that got to do with the fans? What's that got to do with the players? What does that have to do with the people who bleed, sweat, and go out there and give everything that they have to this game? 
What does that have to do with them? I have asked, and, and with that being said, I want to ask this question to you because I don't understand it. And so I'm going to give you the, the time to talk because I'm, I'm supposed to be a host that's letting you tell your feelings. Oh, but I'm getting, out, feelings. Listen, listen, I'm getting my feelings out. This and I appreciate it. Getting it all out because trust me, it's it's been a rough week. Absolutely. So so I want to ask you this. I want to know how we can properly judge these conferences because the SEC has a losing record against the ACC. The ACC is one of only two Power Five conferences to have a winning record against Power Five teams out of conference. It was us in the Pac-12. And everybody acknowledged the Pac-12 is having the best year that they've had in decades. Everybody's acknowledging this is the toughest the Pac-12 has been. And yet for the ACC, we don't get the argument of they're cannibalizing each other like the SEC does. So I I want to know, in your opinion, what is the best true way to measure these conferences against one another and say, this conference is better than this conference and this conference? What do you think? Because me personally, I say, settle it on the field. And if you are four and six against another conference, that conference is better than you. I don't, what do you got to say about it? But anyway, what, what do you think I mean, to me, the best way to do it is the measuring stick. Like, you need to prove it out all on the field, as was shown. I think the SEC was what four and six against the ACC, and then out of conference until they were seven and nine. But the problem is also that inherently, intercollegiate sports, sports in general, does have a business factor to it. And to me, that also goes with we need the the heads of each one of these conferences to actually go out there and market and be on a pulpit better. You had Greg Sankey on College Game Day do an entire Sesame Street bit. As much as I, you know, despise that. There's a reason why the SEC is where it is now over the past decade and a half, and it's because of people like Greg Sankey. Kevin Warren in the Big Ten, he was instrumental in that as well. And then to me, the Big 12, that's why they're kind of left out in the dark a little bit because you're losing in Texas, you're losing in Oklahoma. The main reason that they left is because they that figurehead was not doing his job. And then you go to Jim Phillips. And then Jim Phillips comes over from Northwestern. We got rid of um, Swafford. You know, we, th- we, you know, we think he's going to do a great job. Hear about the you know the expansion of joining SMU, Cal, organizations and programs that quite frankly haven't done anything in the past few decades, and then when the CFE expansion you know comes up, he's one of the ones knowing the fact that the ACC doesn't have a strong enough foothold or a perception across the entire cultural landscape. So to me, you have to sell your product a little bit better, but. Measuristic wise, it has to be done on the field as it's supposed to each and every damn day, as, as we saw with the Florida State team, even also a team like Liberty, who's an independent program who also was undefeated this season. You, yeah. It's not on the field, but you have to showcase it better because that's the main problem here. Yeah. And, and you know, I want to go to where I originally wanted to go with this thing in the second segment here in terms of what is the feeling and the sentiment around the, excuse me, around the team and the fan base right now? Because I know. You know, hearts are heavy, emotions are high. What what is the thought there? We're not here much longer. Um, I think the fact of the matter is we were informed that regardless of what you do, this conference isn't seen as a power five. There is now simply a dynamic duo at core two, and that's the SEC and the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we already made, you know, that kind of presence known back in the fall with the board of trustees meeting, basically yeah. saying that we need to, you know, we need to go somewhere where we're going to feel more appreciated. We've been bringing revenue to this conference at a greater, you know, clip than yeah. most other programs besides Clemson over the past few years. We're sharing revenue. Then we have schools like a Wake Forest, like a Virginia, like a Duke complaining about the sort of thing where in basketball, you guys keep all the extra revenue. In football, we bring in, 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 in a, a larger amount that we have to share more with you guys. 
Mm-hmm. And at this point now with ACC, you just got left out as the only Power 5 conference. Cincinnati, a few seasons ago, was an undefeated group of five, and they got in. And they got in over an AC champion, Notre Dame. So to me, you look at that, the seeds were already planted there for the ACC where it looked at as a football conference. And right now, the team, all the hard work that they've done, I mean, Candace said you know, on Monday that no matter how hard you work, how much blood, sweat, and tears you put on there, three, six, you know, nine to five, 365 days a year, it doesn't mean a damn thing if you're not bringing in the one thing that people care about, and that's money. And yeah. unfortunately, with ACC behind you, it's just not going to help you out in that regard. Yeah, and there's, and again, this is a it's a terrible Pandora's box that's been opened. And this is why I say, as long as money is running this thing, we can't get mad at the players for wanting to get paid because money has infested every level of this from the top down. Money has influenced conference realignment. Money has influenced how coaches move. Money has influenced every other part of this game. And for whatever reason, we're supposed to say, hey, 18 to 22-year-olds, some of you may be from uh, places literally called Muck City. Some of you may literally be from, um, you know, the the worst projects we can imagine. Some of you could literally be from some of the worst rural areas that, you know, that child poverty rates are absolutely off the chain where you're from. Your family is, is you know, uh, granny just wanted a double wide trailer to where it wouldn't rain in the house if, the, if it did uh, storm there. Some of them may be from those areas, but you are the ones who don't deserve to get paid. Kirk Herbstreit, he deserves to be a millionaire from this because he travels and talks about the game. Lee Corzo, he deserves to be a millionaire. Your coach deserves to be a millionaire. Your position coach deserves to be a millionaire. But you as the player, you're the only one who doesn't deserve it. I, you know, again, the, the cat's out the box. The the money bag is is where it is. And and again, I'll, I'll very simply say this. Like you've already talked about, the ACC needs more propagandists. It needs more people to go out there and push their narratives to a degree that is like, hey, I don't care what you say or how you say it. I'm I'm here. And uh, I think that the two conference model that we're looking at where all four of the teams in the, the playoff this year, they're either in the Big Ten or the SEC next year. I think that model is very simply moving us towards a singularity that uh, college football at a at least a power five, but most likely all of the CFB separates from the NCAA altogether. That's what I see happening here. But that's a little bit further off. In the meantime, I completely understand Florida State's desire to get out now. Before, I was very much so on the train of like, hey, it's stupid. If y'all want to pay a couple hundred million to leave, do it. But now I get it. The only thing I would say to rebut that is next year, you've got a 12-team playoff. There's no way. there. I don't care how you cut it or how you slice it. Sure, there may be an argument if you're 10-2 and two or something like that. There's no way you leave out an undefeated power five from the 12-team. Well, the thing is this too. I mean, you look at this. You look at the CFP rankings now. Eleven out of the twelve teams are either Big Ten or SEC teams. The only one that's not is Florida State at uh, mm-hmm. thirteen and zero and five. And my concern is, you're going to see a lot more SEC teams that have two, maybe even three losses at number twelve over a runner up in the ACC or a runner up in the Big Twelve. And that, to me, I think is actually more likely because of what we just saw. If we're being mm-hmm. completely honest here. And here's here's my here's my disagreement with that, because I do very much so agree that the SEC needs representation and all that, according to the money and how the, the committee acts. And again, I'm not saying the ACC needs representation because of my belief. I'm saying the committee acts as if they need to be represented. Once you get one or two 
of the SEC team then, you don't need to keep going and keep shoving all of these SEC teams in there and saying, well, uh, the eight-win Ole Miss is definitely better than an 11-win, a 10-win, nine-win Louisville. You know, oh, well, a seven-win, you know, you're, you're not going to get that situation. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far, but my thing is though, how do how do I how do I put this? When it comes to these SEC programs, even they have this sort of like like casual fans. Casual fans like will always assume the SEC is the best conference. Even you know if you look at this year, this is the most down year in decades and decades for the SEC. And you talk to most SEC fans, they'll agree with you with that. But yeah. when it comes to the casual fan, you hear you know Alabama, you hear Florida, Mississippi State. Like that to me, as a casual person, I'm going to tune in more to that than, oh, Louisville basketball school or here Duke that's coming around, you know, around the band like that. So to me, I think when you think of it that way, that is what's the fear I guess I have when it comes to the uh, the invitational, um, you know, characters over there picking who they want to come in. I'll tell you what, if you still look at Louisville as a basketball school, brother, sister, friend in Christ, I've got news for you. But we've got to pay another bill here. And I'm telling you what. Uh, the same way that I would not want to bet on Louisville basketball, I would like to get in on some of this NFL action that's going on. You know, my lines are good now, so I, I feel comfortable getting on FanDuel, putting a little something on Amara St. Brown, getting the offer, baby. But that's neither here nor there. Some God. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers to stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. You heard that right. Any winning $5 money line bet gets you $150. All your team has to do is win. You know, Lions been doing it a lot. <laughs> if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, under-overs, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Fan, the official partner of the NFL. Now, Drake, we're about to we're about to get you out of here. But let me just ask you a few more things, or, or let's just discuss a few more things rather, uh, because I want to pick your brain here. Uh-huh. Was there has there ever been a more heartbreaking moment for you as a Florida State fan than reading that Jordan Travis post where he said, I wish I had broken my leg earlier in the season so that you could see that this team is so much more than a quarterback. No, man, that's the fact that you have that a 23 year old young man has to say that in order to basically, he's doing that also for his teammates as he just said, you know, showed them some love and all that. But the fact that he feels compelled to even think about tweeting that out, it's the, it's it's this one of the saddest things I've ever seen. And it's 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 highly upsetting. And Jordan, I know you're, you're not you're probably not listening to this, but there's nothing you need to apologize for. There's nothing the entire team needs to apologize for. Old Nation is extremely proud of each and every single one of you because it can't take away the fact that y'all went 13 and 0. It can't take away the fact that you won your conference. Yeah. And quite honestly, it can't take away the fact that there is a legion of people not only in florida state um, fandom but also other sites you know fans fans who just love the game that truly believe that you were robbed in broad daylight but jordan tweeting that out that was honestly i, I if i'm someone like at espn who i mean quite honestly like the way they kind of har- harped on the injury being the factor is the main reason why i felt compelled tweeting that if i was you know one of them 
I would feel a sort a, just a special sense of shame of all about with them. Yeah, yeah. And you know, as a ACC media personality and as somebody who covers this thing, obviously the the tragedy that happened at UVA last year was a whole nother level. That's yeah. that's loss of life. That's you know, mm-hmm. those young men robbed of 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 life, of future. Mm-hmm. This here, for me personally, looking at this thing, you know. In terms of, of all those moments, this is significantly below that. But I can't think of any strictly football-related moment in all of my time around football that that has felt like this one. And again, strictly on the field type mm-hmm. deal. I, I haven't felt anything like this because, you know, we're, we're all told that it's not just about people talk about a lot about football being um, the ultimate sport of merit. But I want to I want to delve into another thing that football is called the ultimate. It's called the ultimate team sport. Anybody who knows me knows I do not like quarterbacks, period. None of them don't like them. I remember, and this is a true story. If you ever talk to Jacoby Myers, you can ask him and he'll tell you. The like the first couple of times I met him, he he came to NC State as a quarterback. The first couple of times I met him, I'm like, this kid's all right. Something's going on here. And I, I remember telling him, like the, the third or fourth practice that we had with him there, I said, you're not a quarterback kid, and that's all right. And he was, like, very upset by that. He was very upset by that. He was extremely upset. Like, oh, I'm a quarterback. I didn't do it. I said, no, I like you. You're not a quarterback. But one thing that I do know, you can't boil this thing down to who has the best quarterback. Is your quarterback play good enough? Yada, 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 so on and so forth. Because there, whatever happened to a wide, diverse range of the ability to win football games. I thought that was the goal. I thought the goal was to win football games. I didn't think the goal was to win football games and have an offense that averages 30, 40 a game. I, the reality is, as terrible as Iowa was to watch for all these years, they found ways to win football games. They ended up in the Big Ten Championship. You could say, well, when they go divisionless, Iowa would never end up there again. Another reason Iowa won't end up there again after they go divisionless is because Washington and Oregon are now in the mix, and USC and UCLA are now in the mix. So, of course, they're not going to go anymore. Of course they aren't. But if you left things as they were and said, hey, you know, we're we're going to take away divisions and keep the, the Big Ten as it, they have just as good of a shot as anybody else with their style of football because the reality is it doesn't. The score doesn't care. In the words of Airbnb, this game is not about numbers. It's about the alphabets. And the only alphabets that matter is W or L. Florida State found a way to get W after W, and yet this is the problem. And and I'm going to say this last thing, and I'm going to hand it over to you to give me your closing thoughts. Again, every argument used against Florida State does not pan up uh, when you put logic to it. The TCU argument, TCU had to win a game. So whether or not you hated that blowout, TCU had to beat Michigan to get there. Tell Michigan step their cookies up if they want the opportunity to compete in that and, and make it a good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next argument, well, they just didn't look good these last two weeks of the year. Well, you had a true freshman who was injured for a majority of the year, could not even practice, and a backup. Who, by the way, every other rivalry game, people tell me that Bama versus Auburn is okay because the Iron Bowl is different. And strange things happen in Jordan here. What, strange things like the New Mexico State Aggies winning by 21 points? Was that a strange thing? I don't, you know, I, that stranger thing was so strange. I thought I was in the upside down. I, I thought I got Vecna. I said, wait a minute. 
Wait a minute. He's acting. And then the final one, well, you know, Florida State, they just, at the end of the day, uh, if you look at this team against all the other teams that are in the playoff, who would you feel comfortable with that with saying that they beat or with saying that they beat this team? Doesn't matter who I feel comfortable saying they beat. Do they belong there? Yes or no? Because if we're doing that, how many of those teams do I feel comfortable saying they beat Georgia? And yet, where is Georgia? On the outside looking in. So, you know, those are my final thoughts. Drake, I'm gonna let you give your, I'm gonna give you your time. You have no time limit. This ain't going to be a, a Jimmy V situation where you said, I don't care. This guy can't get me off stage. Talk your talk and close this thing out. Take us on home, brother. Uh, well, I mean, I think the one way to put it is I know a lot of Florida State fans, the team, the staff, Mike Norvell, people behind the scenes, you know, the battles in a lot of places right now, they, they rightfully feel that they were robbed. And they were robbed, like I said before, in broad daylight on a Sunday afternoon, Lord's Day. I mean, of all days to do that too. And to me, there's a lot of people, especially in the SEC, and I've seen it, you know, from our locked on hosts, you know, from other SEC personalities that try to say this is the logical and the reasonable decision. And quite frankly, if you look at it and you break it down, it simply isn't. Mm-hmm. You took a team like Florida State, because I've watched the damn games. Every single week on offense, you got someone different, whether it be Trey Benson with his three touchdowns against Florida, whether it be Keon Coleman, you know, letting the world know, hey, I am more than I was at Michigan State against LSU. And then defensively, you can't argue with me that there was a better defense in the country than the one that we saw mold themselves around and show up against Louisville, whether it be Braden Fist showing everyone, hey, put this ring on my finger. Jared Verse showcasing, I am a top five talent. Patrick Payne doing the same thing. Or go over to Clemson, look at Kalen DeLoach, popping K. Klubnik into the shadow realm and carrying that fumble back for a touchdown. There is no way that anyone can convince myself, and there's no way anyone can convince anybody, that this team did not belong or deserve a spot in the CFP among the Final Four. Because quite frankly, that defense overall would swallow Jalen Milrow. That defense would tear up Quinn Ewers. And offensively, do you think I'm scared of J.J. McCarthy? And Blake Corum and Washington. Washington, Michael Panix, actually, I'm a huge fan of. But that defense, does that defense actually really scare you? The thing is, we'll just never know. And that's something that I'm going to stick to with that because people were thinking with their minds and what they felt was the right thing to do instead of letting it play out. And quite frankly, it's ridiculous. So mm-hmm. FSU fans or cultural fans in general, just support your teams because when it comes to happening to you, because Miami, it's going to happen to you, too, if the same, the shoe was on the other foot. Now, granted, yeah. you've never been to a conference title game. Sorry, you never won a conference title in this conference. But you just found out that the ACC does not matter to the people in charge. And that's the problem. You know, and it's, it's, it's amazing that people are ACC teams are like laughing and saying, oh, you think that this team belongs in? Brother, if it can happen to them, it can happen to you. As the old folks would say, same thing that would make you laugh. Make you cry. But anywho, Drizzy, it's always good to have you on. It's been too long since the last time. We got to have you on again soon. Thank you all so very much for tuning in. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe. Do all the good things to help us pay the bills around here. 
Drake, don't say it because I know what you want to say. No, don't no, I'll, I'll, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say something different. I'm not gonna, you know, Miami fans. You know, I'll, I'll, right. I'll, I'll I won't say it. No, I will say for all Florida State fans out there who people you know want to support intercollegiate athletics, go over to the Bowls and show them your love and support because they right now you saw the, the tweet the statement they put out today. Support the NL Collective because they're doing great things right now. Help them out, especially in the light of what's going on. What's going on? Absolutely. Well, till next time, ACC folks. Appreciate y'all so very much.